Hi, my name is Aloise, and welcome to the seventh episode of the Take Me to the World Musical Theater Podcast, a podcast where I talk about musical theater because it's in the title, and so I think that's kind of a given. So this is a podcast about musicals. I love musicals. I talk about them all the time. I'm not coming from some academic higher learning study of musical theater or theater in general. This is just somebody who likes musicals. And I like to talk about them, and I see different patterns in different musicals, and I learn different things about musicals, and then I'm like, hey, let's blab on about musicals. If this is your first time listening to this podcast, you can always go back to my website, takemetotheworld.com. If you click on the podcast category up the top page, there'll be links to past episodes, and in each of those past episodes, there are some show notes about the musicals that I've talked about, so I might link to where you can buy tickets if it's like a big production show, or where you can listen to the songs, etc., etc. So I'll do the same thing for this episode as well. I also like to talk about musicals in depth sometimes, and I might spoil shows. So I'm just going to give you a heads up. I might be spoiling parts of shows, including The Wizard of Oz, Wicked, Little Shop of Horrors, Hamilton, Company, Sweeney Todd, and Next to Normal. I'm also going to talk about a couple other musicals, but I don't think I'm going to spoil any of those. I might swear because I get excited about musicals and they fucking rule. This podcast is not sponsored. I just do it because I like musicals and it's fun and da-da-da-da-da. On today's episode, I'm going to talk about a type of song that's found in pretty much every musical, whether it's a stage musical or film musical or a jukebox musical or a book musical or a sung-through musical or a musical with scenes of dialogue. doesn't matter. This song is probably going to be there, and if it's not in the form of a song, it's going to be in the form of a scene. And you've heard these songs before, and you might not even realize this is a thing, but I'm going to tell you it is. We're going to be talking about the I Want song. So every musical is generally based on some kind of a story or story idea, and with stories we have protagonists. So the protagonist is the Generally, it's the main character of the show. It's the character whose journey we follow the most closely, the character whose perspective and worldview we're most invested in. It's the character who... Sometimes it's the character who changes the most in a show, sometimes it isn't, but it's kind of the character we're following. It's important to remember that protagonist does not necessarily mean the character is a good character and that they're, you know, a good person or whatnot. You know, like in Sweeney Todd, our protagonist is Sweeney Todd. And he's going around murdering a bunch of people. But we're okay with that because we get some justification to why it's happening and da-da-da-da-da. It's an anti-hero story, basically. And in every musical, the protagonist needs to tell us why we should care about this character. They need to share their wants, their hopes, their dreams, usually in the form of a song, although it could be a scene if it's a musical with some dialogue, but it's usually in the form of a song called the I Want Song. Now, it's not necessarily like you're going to look at the musical tracks for this show and there's going to be a song literally called the I Want Song. I mean, maybe if, if it's like a spoof about a musical, there might be a song called the I Want Song. But there's that's kind of what these song types are known as. The I Want Song for a protagonist usually occurs early on in the musical. It's probably not going to be the very first song because usually the first song is like an opening number, often with large amounts of the cast. So we kind of get to know the scene and the setting for the story. And if you want to go into uh, the previous episode that I did, it was all about opening numbers and I kind of talk about different types for those. But the I Want Song is usually one of the first few songs in the show 
There are exceptions. We'll get to that later. So why do we need an I Want song in a musical? We need an I Want song because it helps the audience to connect with the main character. It helps the audience to understand why this character is doing what they're doing or why they're going to do the things they're going to do. Now, sometimes the I Want song is going to be a solo song where just the protagonist is singing what they want. Sometimes the I Want song is going to be a group number with multiple cast members singing and the protagonist telling us or singing what they want in the song. I've kind of come up with a couple categories of I Want songs. This isn't an academic study or anything. These could be completely off base or anything, but I just find when I listen to musicals or watch musicals, these are kind of what I've noticed with the I Want song. To me, there's the explicit I Want song and the implied I Want song. So with the explicit I Want song, the character will explicitly sing or state what they want. They might even use the phrase I want in the song. Like in The Little Mermaid, which, you know, was first a Disney cartoon musical and then got a stage production of it. In Part of Your World, Ariel sings I want to be where the people are. So we know it's kind of the I want song. In The Producers, Leo Bloom sings the song I want to be a producer, which tells us that he would like to be a producer. It's right there in the title and he sings it several times so you kind of know this is the I want song. But in some I want songs the protagonist isn't going to go out and sing like I want this thing but they're still going to tell you what they want. Let's take the famous movie musical and there are stage productions for it as well which I've seen. The adaptation's generally the same there's just few extra scenes and songs, and that is The Wizard of Oz. It's I Want song is Somewhere Over the Rainbow, but Dorothy never actually sings that she wants to visit a magical land called Oz explicitly. She does sing, someday I'll wish upon a star, wake up where the clouds are far behind me. So we understand she wants to be far away from the hard life she has home in Kansas, and she wants to be somewhere else kind of thing, but she doesn't actually say, you know, I want to be here, or I want to do this, or I want something. She doesn't give an explicit I want statement, but it's still an I want song because we can tell what she wants. Other times you might need to use previous scenes from the musical and knowledge that you have of the characters and stories so far to understand the I want song. So for example, in the musical Sweeney Todd, which is a great Stephen Sondheim musical, Sweeney Todd is our protagonist. And his I want song, or the first time we get an idea of what he wants, is in the song My Friends. In this song, Sweeney Todd's singing to a bunch of straight razors and singing about these are my friends, see how they glisten, and soon they'll drip precious rubies, aka blood. And so if this was like the song without any previous context of the show, you'd go, I don't understand anything. But from the previous scenes where he meets uh, Mrs. Lovett again, we find out that he used to live here in this flat. He was married, had a small baby named Joanna, this corrupt judge named Judge Turpin, lusted after Sweeney Todd's wife, basically sent Sweeney Todd to penal colony over in Australia somewhere. The wife dies, Joanna becomes a ward of the judge, da-da-da-da-da. Sweeney Todd is out for revenge. And so we can tell this when we see the song and we can understand why he wants revenge from the previous scene. Sometimes the I Want song works by itself pretty well. Sometimes you kind of need previous context, but once you have that context, the I Want song is there. And even though Mrs. Lovett isn't our protagonist, I will point out that we can kind of tell what she wants in this song. I think you know what I'm talking about. So the I Want song, there's usually two things that the character wants. First, there's the more straightforward I want, and then there's sort of like this deeper emotional want. So for the protagonist, this is what they want, and this is why they want it, basically, or what they hope will happen when they get the thing that they want. Building on the example of The Wizard of Oz before that I talked about, 
let's look at Wicked. Now, if you don't know Wicked, it's a musical that's been super popular. I know it's getting a movie adaptation at some point. I think it keeps, I don't know. I keep hearing Wicked adaptations. The show's been on Broadway since 2003, and I've heard about movie adaptations since it's been on Broadway, but I'm pretty sure there's going to be one coming out in a couple years, I think. And it's basically the prequel to The Wizard of Oz. It's the story about the Wicked Witch of the West named Elphaba in the show before Dorothy and Toto come there, and it tells how Alphaba and Glinda the Good Witch meet and their relationship when they were students together at Shiz University. In Wicked, Alphaba has green skin, something else that nobody else in the Land of Oz has, and this kind of makes her an outsider. So she's ostracized and made fun of, but Madame Morrible, who's the headmistress of the Shiz University, she tells Alphaba that she's got great talents, and one day Alphaba might to get to meet the great and powerful Wizard of Oz. And so in the song The Wizard and I, Alphaba sings about how amazing it would be to meet the Wizard of Oz. So this is the more straightforward one. Alphaba wants to meet the Wizard of Oz, but that's not the why. In the song, she sings, When I meet the wizard, my whole life will change, because when you meet the wizard, no one thinks you're strange. And that's why Alphaba wants to meet the wizard. She wants the great and powerful Wizard of Oz to see her talents, and give her approval, which she imagines will lead other citizens of Oz to prove to her, you know, which will make her feel better and make her feel like she's a part of this community. At one point of the song, she sings, And this gift or this curse I have inside, maybe at last I'll know why. Alphaba wants meaning for why she's different. She wants to know why she's been suffering, and she wants somebody to be like, Hey, you know, even though your skin's green, you're a great person. You've got great talents, da-da-da-da-da. You're okay. Acceptance, basically, which is a common theme in a lot of shows and in life. So with any good musical, the protagonist is going to have an emotional I want, and it might not be stated explicitly. Like in Part of Your World in The Little Mermaid, Ariel sings about wanting to be a human on land, but that's not the emotional want. She isn't just like, la-la-la, I want to have legs so I can dance, and then that's it, just to dance just because it's something she can't do. She wants freedom and adventure, which is demonstrated in lyrics like up where they walk, up where they run, you know, freedom of movement, that sort of thing. Ariel feels trapped in the ocean, which is kind of ironic because there's way more ocean than land. She feels, you know, maybe constricted with her family, and I'm not gonna, I don't know, there's probably a Little Mermaid prequel cartoon directed to DVD thing that was done at some point. I don't consider those canon, I don't care about those, but you get the sense that Ariel feels trapped in the ocean and she wants more freedom. She feels maybe trapped in her family too. She wants more freedom. So with the I Want song, it's telling us what the character wants and what they kind of want to have happen once they get the thing they want, which could be a physical thing or it could be something like changing society. You know, it could be an abstract kind of concept thing. It doesn't have to be like, I want this golden locket of power or some actual object. But just because a character wants something and a protagonist sings an I want song, that doesn't mean they're going to get exactly what they want by the end of the musical. Not exactly. Sometimes a character gets what they want early on in the show, usually some point in act one, but they'll realize that the thing they wanted wasn't as great as they had thought. This is what happens in Wicked. So spoilers for the entire plot of Wicked, I guess, or at least the first act in a bit. Alphabug does get to meet the Wizard of Oz in act one, but she discovers he isn't some great and powerful deity like she thought which we know if you've seen the wizard of oz obviously you've know you know that because that's pointed on that movie too she realizes the wizard's approval isn't going to change her life for the better and to get that approval she's going to have to do something she doesn't agree with so alphabet leaves oz in the emerald city where the wizard lives in act one in the closing song 
Defying Gravity. And in that song, she sings, something has changed within me, something is not the same, I'm through with playing by the rules of someone else's game. So often with these storylines, the protagonist realizes the sort of superficial thing they wanted, like meeting the wizard, isn't going to meet their emotional want for Alphaba, you know, feeling like she belongs in Oz. These characters realize they have a strength or a spirit or something inside of them that shouldn't be diminished and they need to be true to themselves and this will give them better emotional conclusion than they had imagined at their initial I want some. Or let's look at another musical. And major, major spoilers for Sweeney Todd. I'm actually going to spoil the show. It's kind of lying before about a certain aspect of it. Sweeney Todd does, does get his revenge on Judge Turpin and he kills him in the finale. But in his haste and to make sure there were no witnesses... Sweeney Todd also kills the crazy beggar woman who's been wandering around the barber shop. And after he kills Judge Turpin, he's he's satisfied for a few minutes or so. But then he realizes that this crazy beggar woman that he had killed was actually his wife. So Mrs. Lovett had kind of lied by omission. She never actually told Sweeney Todd that his wife was dead. She just didn't say anything, and he came to the conclusion early on that she must have died. Sweeney Todd is devastated. She, he shoves Mrs. Lovett into a burning oven. And then at the end of the movie, Sweeney Todd's depressed. You know, this is pretty much at the end. And then Toby comes along and kills Sweeney Todd. So Sweeney Todd gets his revenge, but he doesn't set his life back to the happy time it was before Judge Turpin came in and took his wife and sent Sweeney Todd away. He His revenge, you know, his lust for revenge consumed him and everything around him, and it destroyed pretty much any notion or shred of a happy life he could have had. You know, even Joanna, who escapes with Anthony, she doesn't know her father. He never gets to see his daughter. He run runs into Joanna and doesn't kill her because she's dressed as a boy, and he doesn't know it's her, and da-da-da. You know, it's just, it's a very sad musical. But it's also very great, and it's one of those shows where it's like, you know, the old adage of be careful what you wish for, because you just might get it. Other times, the protagonist doesn't get what they want by the end of the show, at least not in the way they originally thought they were going to. This is usually because the character has changed and grown throughout the show, and they realize the thing that they wanted before is no longer the best thing for them. So, some spoilers... A lot of spoilers, actually, for the Tony and Pulitzer Prize award-winning musical Next to Normal by Brian Yorkie and Tom Kidd. This is one of my favorite musicals. I just love Next to Normal so much. It's such a good show. I saw it in New York City, like, ten years ago. It was amazing. It's the story of a family affected by mental illness. So our main protagonist, Diana, has been living for years with bipolar disorder. And this musical shows how this mental illness and the various treatment that Diana goes through throughout the show affects her family, particularly with her daughter Natalie and her husband Dan. Now I should point out that this musical isn't saying that this is how bipolar disorder is or bipolar tendencies are for people who have them. You know, this isn't a clinical diagnostic tool or anything like that. This is a musical with a story where the character has this disorder. So in the beginning of the musical, Diana sings a song about how she wants to be normal, how she wants her family to be this perfect loving family. I could say there's sort of two I want songs. I think the opening number is kind of an I want song because you get to learn about each of the characters in the family and sort of who they are. And we can kind of tell who Diana is a little bit in this first song, at least superficially. She wants this thing. But I think the I want song that's really the true I want song for Diana is the song I Miss the Mountains, where Diana sings after getting some treatment that she sort of misses who she was before this disorder. And, you know, she's on medication that's kind of stabilized her and 
kind of made her feel normal, but she sort of misses the highs and the lows and, and everything else. Which again isn't a statement to say anything negative about treatments for bipolar disorder or any mental illness, but it's just who this character is. She sort of misses who she was before she's gotten treatment. By the end of the musical, however, Dinah has changed a lot, and what she realizes is this version of normal that she wanted to be at the beginning of this musical isn't going to be the best thing for her. So at the end of the musical, there's a few songs, and one of the songs is called Maybe in brackets next normal. In this song, Diana says to her daughter Natalie, we tried to give you a normal life. I realize now I have no clue what that is. And in response, Natalie sings to her, I don't need a life that's normal, that's way too far away, but something next to normal might be okay. Throughout this musical, Diana has tried to be the best wife and mother that she can be. And really this musical, it's not just about mental health or anything. It's also about, you know, suburban life, family life, what is the role of women, motherhood, that sort of thing. And in the end, she realizes she can't be normal, not in the way she initially wanted to be at the beginning of the musical. At the end of the musical, Diana makes a really big change to try to regain a new sense of normalcy. And this thing that she does is something that I just, I feel like bawling because it just makes me so sad because it's this is one of those shows that just really shocked me. I had no idea what the show was about other than, oh, it's about a family that lives with some with mental illness problems. And then the show happens and there's a lot of different kind of twists and turns and I'm not going to spoil too much of it. But at the end of the show, something happens. And usually when I watch shows, I go, you know, these characters are choosing to be in a situation that's probably not the best for them or they're trying to find a happy ending, you know, in some superficial way like, oh, romance and now we get married and we fall in love and happily ever after fairy tale garbage. And this was a show that did not do that. It's a show where for the first time ever, like I mean ever, the character did something that normally I would want them to do. And in this circumstance, I was like, my heart is breaking. What is happening? Why is this? Why I'm so sad? I'm so sad. Oh man, this show is so good. I just cannot recommend Next to Normal enough. It's so good. It's so good. And if for any reason, like, the show isn't playing on Broadway anymore, and I know there were some national tours, but it's an older show, it's not super old, but I don't think it's a show that tours a whole lot. It might be put on by some community theaters at some point nearby, but if you cannot see this show, I will let you know that the original Broadway cast recording is, it's a sung through musical, so you can listen to the original Broadway cast recording and totally understand everything that's happening in this musical. Now, I talked how about most I want songs are kind of near the beginning of the musical, and this is particularly true if the musical is geared for kids or, you know, kind of a family-friendly musical, because you need the audience who's made up of, you know, probably some children and adults and everything to understand what the character's going through right away. Disney's really great for this. We've got Part of Your World from The Little Mermaid, Just Can't Wait to Be King from The Lion King, Just Around the Riverbend from Pocahontas. Just to name a few, those are all kind of I want songs that are somewhere in the first act of the movie. But sometimes the I want song is further along in the musical. So now we're gonna look at another Stephen Sondheim musical that isn't Sweeney Todd. Let's talk about Company. So Company was a musical that debuted in the 1970s. It's got music and lyrics by Stephen Sondheim. The book is by George Firth. And it tells the story of Bobby, a 35-year-old bachelor or bachelorette, because they've switched genders for the characters in some newer productions of Company, which I just fucking love so much. But it tells the story of this 35-year-old bachelor or bachelorette through a series of vignettes, which is basically a fancy word for a bunch of scenes that aren't necessarily 
related to each other. So we see Bobby interact with his friends, you know, go on different dates, that sort of thing. And company is interesting because Bobby is our protagonist, but we don't know what he wants. Not right away. In Bad Company, the I Want song is kind of broken into two, and each version of the I Want song is featured well into the musical. So let's talk about that and what I mean by that. At the end of Act 1, and obviously spoilers for Company, Bobby sings a song called Marry Me a Little. And it, this is kind of the superficial I Want song that Bobby has. In this song, he sings the line, marry me a little, do it with a will, make a few demands I'm able to fulfill. So Bobby tells us that he wants to be married, but as the audience and through what we kind of know as a character so far, we can see this is very superficial, especially with lines like, keep a tender distance so we'll both be free. That's the way it ought to be. I'm ready. That line is full of contradictions. Keep a tender distance so we'll both be free. That's the way it ought to be. I'm ready. Clearly through those lines, you can tell that Bobby is definitely not ready to be married. He's telling us that's what he wants, but he's not ready to make the sacrifices and emotional commitment that a marriage involves. He just wants to be married for the company. At the very end of the musical, we finally get Bobby's why. We get the I Want song that tells us the why. That song is being alive, and in all seriousness, it's probably my favorite song in musical theater, like ever. And I know that's probably a very common answer for a lot of people, but this song is just so emotional and so powerful, and it's so great. I fucking love Stephen Sondheim. Oh my god. But in this song, Bobby isn't just telling us, la 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 la, I want to be married. He doesn't even say the word married. He doesn't say that. But we can tell that the why. He's starting to show the audience he wants a real relationship. He wants something deep and meaningful. He wants a relationship where he's prepared to make sacrifices and emotional commitments. You know, he's moving aside from the frivolous and kind of fun things that he's had in the past. He doesn't just want to be with somebody for the company, basically. One of the lines of the song is, Someone to crowd you with love, someone to force you to care, someone to make you come through, who will always be there, as frightened of you as you of being alive. So it isn't until the very last song in the musical where we finally understand why our protagonist wants the thing that we want. And this is the thing about company. Bobby sings being alive and then the musical's over. So we don't know if Bobby gets this relationship or pursues it, but we've seen the character change and grow throughout the show and we can see that this relationship or this type of relationship is at least possible because Bobby has an understanding of himself and what he wants. So I've been talking about how the protagonist gets the I want song and sometimes a character who isn't the main protagonist can get an I want song. Sometimes an antagonist can have an I want song. Sometimes a secondary character can have an I want song. Let's take Little Shop of Horrors. It's a cult musical both in the stage and film versions and it's a musical about a very timid kind of meek guy named Seymour who works at a flower shop and he discovers this new Venus flytrap like plant that he calls Audrey 2 or Tui that grows like crazy when it's fed blood. And in Little Shop of Horrors the main characters all sing this song at the very beginning called Skid Row Downtown about how they all want a better life than the one they have. You know, Seymour sings, someone show me a way to get out of here, because I constantly pray I'll get out of here. And this is part of the I Want song for Seymour. This is his motivation. He's telling the audience, someone give me my shot or I'll rot here. So we can tell Seymour wants to be out of this crappy life on Skid Row. And then Audrey, who is his co-worker, so there's Tui, Audrey to the plant, and then there's Seymour's co-worker named Audrey, who he's in love with, basically, or secretly in love with. She also starts singing with him in this song, also showing that this is her dream too. She wants to get out of Skid Row, she wants to get out of this crappy life. But a few songs later, Ar Audrey sings the song Somewhere That's Green, and this is her I Want song. 
Now, Audrey isn't necessarily our main character of the show, but I think because both Seymour and Audrey sing what they want in Skid Row downtown, we understand the characters better, and they're kind of both protagonists, although I think we follow Seymour's journey a lot closer than Audrey. But we start to understand Audrey a lot more when she sings the song Somewhere That's Green, because in the song, she's imagining a life with Seymour because she's actually dating this abusive dentist asshole named Orin at this point. So she's imagining that she's living in a house with Seymour in the nice suburbs or a guy like Seymour. And, you know, it's a very superficial want if you just look at the surface of the song because, you know, she's singing about how she wants a tract house all her own and a fence of real chain link. And so you go, it's very superficial. But obviously the emotional want for her is she wants a stable life. She wants to be in a loving relationship. And clearly she's not in that with Orin. Antagonists can have an I want song, but usually with their I want song, it's going to be a little bit later in the show. With most musicals, the protagonist has their I want song, like it said earlier on. There are exceptions, obviously, with company. And so this is so we can kind of know who the character is and why we should follow their journey and why we need to care about them, etc, etc. With the antagonist, if they sing an I want song, which isn't always the case, it might be kind of later on in the show. And oftentimes the antagonist isn't going to actually tell us what they want. Or they might be lying about what they want. They might be saying one thing, but meaning something totally different. Little Shop of Horrors again. Gonna really go into the show, because the song Feed Me, get it? Tui, the carnivorous plant, starts talking and singing to Seymour, and it tells Seymour that it's going to die unless Seymour gives it blood. So what Tui wants is food. Up to this point in the show, Seymour's just cut his hand and kind of noticed when the blood drips towards Tui, it's helped Tui grow. So in the song, Tui tells Seymour he needs more food, aka he needs more blood, and he is trying to convince Seymour that he should feed somebody to this plant. Seymour isn't exactly down for murder at this point, but then Tui says that he can get Seymour anything he wants, including being with his co-worker Audrey, who Seymour is obviously in love with. So when Seymour says to Tui, I don't know anyone who deserves to get chopped up and fed to a hungry plant. Tui says, sure you do. And it's then that Audrey and her boyfriend, Oren, walk in. Audrey had forgotten her sweater at the shop, and Oren gets angry and slaps her and insults her. And Seymour has been seeing that Oren's a dickhead, and now he's like, oh, yeah, Oren's gonna make some great plant food. Oren is an asshole, but he's not our main antagonist to Seymour. I believe Tui is the antagonist for Seymour. But as mentioned before, when an antagonist sings their version of an I want song, especially if it's to the protagonist directly, they're probably lying or omitting something. Tui doesn't tell Seymour that by feeding Orin to Tui, Seymour's life is going to get more complicated and darker and he's going to get down this path that's going to lead him to heartbreak. But he does tell Seymour, you know, hey, I can I can help you out if you give me some blood and look at this guy that's being an asshole to Audrey. Hey, look at that. And Seymour's like, yeah, this guy's an asshole. He deserves to be plant food. Little Shop of Horrors kind of sounds like the most ridiculous musical ever, but it's really a lot of fun, especially if you're a fan of dark cult classics and 60s doo-wop musical or music. This is totally your thing. Or if you're really into bloodthirsty plants, Little Shop. Sometimes there are multiple protagonists in shows. I guess you could kind of see, like I said, Seymour and Audrey could be both seen, Audrey the person could be seen as multiple protagonists in uh, Little Shop of Horrors. But let's talk about Hamilton, because this is another show that has multiple protagonists and kind of multiple I want songs. Alexander Hamilton is the main protagonist of Hamilton, right? He's the character we follow the most closely in the show. He's the character whose journey we follow the most closely in the show, right? He's the character that changes the most, right? The third song of the show is My Shot, which you can see as Hamilton's I Want song. 
So Hamilton and several of the cast members sing this song, and in this song, we learn that Hamilton does not want to throw away his shot. Not wanting something can also be a want. But really, the song, you know, is more about, you know, this is who Hamilton is as a character. We understand he's a very motivated, driven individual. Counterpoint, even though Aaron Burr is Hamilton's rival, and some might say an antagonist, he, at least to me, is actually the character that goes through the most growth and change in the show. You know, or at least he goes through as much growth and change as Hamilton does. We get to understand Burr, and in a way, he's also like a protagonist, just one that's opposed to our other protagonist, Alexander Hamilton, which I think in most circumstances might make people think he's the antagonist. But in the show, we get to learn Aaron Burr's motivation. And unlike, you know, when like Audrey 2, the plant, was singing to Seymour and lying to him about what he wanted, Aaron Burr isn't lying to us. He isn't lying to the audience. He isn't lying to Hamilton. And Aaron Burr, I think his songs are, he kind of has two I Want songs. So in Act 1, we get the first I Want song for Aaron Burr when he sings Wait For It. So here we kind of learn a bit more about Aaron Burr, because we don't really know much about him at this point. The interactions with him, kind of just with him interacting with Hamilton and Lafayette, John Lawrence, and Hercules Mulligan, drinking at a tavern, and then there's not really much, and then after Hamilton gets married. In the song, Wait For It, we learn more about Aaron Burr, his personal life, and his family. So Burr, like Hamilton, is an orphan, but Burr comes from a very more influential family background, and Burr is more concerned about protecting his family's legacy, and he isn't, we can learn in the song, he isn't going to take a lot of chances at risk. He wants to observe, wants to wait for the right moment before making any big decision. In the song, Burr sings, And if there's a reason that I'm still alive when so many others have died, then I'm willing to wait for it. So this is very, very opposite to Hamilton's I Want Song, which is my shot. So Hamilton's all about, like, I'm not gonna wait around for things, I'm gonna get going and do stuff, I'm gonna change the world kind of attitude. And Aaron Burr's like, okay, let's hold back, let's wait for it. But here's the thing about Aaron Burr, and this is very similar to Bobby and Company. We know Burr is going to wait for it, but what exactly is he waiting for? What does Aaron Burr want? It's actually kind of the inverse to what Company is, because Bobby says he wants something, but we don't really know why, and he's not really ready, and then by the end he tells us why he wants this thing, and we can see he's ready. So Aaron Byrne, Act 1, says he's going to wait for it, but we don't know what he's waiting for. We don't really know what he wants. And then in Act 2, we see a scene where Alexander Hamilton, Thomas Jefferson, and James Madison having this secret meeting to decide where the U.S. Capitol is going to be. And Aaron Burr, not privy to this meeting, realizes he wants to be in the room where it happens. He no longer wants to sit back on the sidelines and wait for it. After he sings The Room Where It Happens, which is an amazing song, I mean, like, you could pretty much say that about every single song in this musical. I just love it so much. We start to see Aaron Burr going after what he really wants. For example, he wins a seat in the Senate, beating Hamilton's father-in-law, shown in the song Skylar Defeated. Uh, in the song Washington By Your Side, Burr, Jefferson, and Madison discuss how Hamilton seems to be getting preferential treatment from Washington, and they decide to follow the money and see where it goes, since Hamilton's U.S. treasurer, to try to bring down Hamilton. Burr, Jefferson, and Madison confront Hamilton about the checks he's been writing and the song we know, etc, etc. So he starts to sort of go after what he wants. So the first kind of I want song is I'm just gonna wait, and the second song is like, let me be more active about it, I actually know what I want. I know I did a whole episode on Hamilton, so I'm not gonna keep going too much, but I do want to point out it's really interesting because Aaron Burr, by the end of the musical, he becomes more like Hamilton was at the beginning. He's more sort of headstrong, just going for things. And then Hamilton becomes more like Aaron Burr was at the beginning, be being more kind of patient and waiting for things. So the characters do a kind of total 180 with each other in a way, but it's just 
Oh, it's so fantastic, and I love Hamilton. Why do I love the I Want song? I mean, my favorite musicals are ones with really strong, well-developed characters, characters where you can see and understand the motivation for taking the actions they do in the show. And this is why I love the I Want song, because it's here where the protagonist and maybe other characters reveal to their audience is their wants and motivations. I, I don't need to agree with what the character is doing, but I need to understand why they're doing what they're doing. And if you don't have an I want song or a scene where the character says what they want and why they want it, you're going to have a very shallow and superficial musical with characters that you just don't relate to. So in episode three, I talked about a musical that I really hated called Shout the Mod Musical. And I'm not going to rant about it too much again because I did that in episode three. Seriously though, don't see this musical. But I realized that Shout the Mod Musical does not have an I Want song. Now, Shout is, I guess, a jukebox musical, musical review. It's basically a bunch of songs, you know, previously recorded songs from the 60s, like actual songs like Petula Clark's Downtown, not songs made for a book musical that these characters sing. And so with jukebox musicals, it can be hard to have an I Want song, but usually there's going to be at least an I Want scene. Shout the Musical didn't even have that. It didn't have any well define protagonists. It didn't really have any protagonists, really. The characters were just sort of there and stuff happened to them and we didn't really get to see what happened to them. We were just kind of told about it and this musical's horrible. I'm not going to rant about it too much. But anyways, the fact that there wasn't an I Want song in that musical or even an I Want scene in the musical meant that I didn't personally connect to any of the characters in the show. Now don't get me wrong, some of them went through some pretty awful situations, but no I Want song or I Want scene at least meant I didn't know why the characters were doing what they were doing. I didn't know why they wanted even if it was in a superficial way or if it was in an emotional way, what they wanted at all. And because I didn't know what they wanted or why they wanted it, I couldn't see the characters change or grow to get what they wanted or I couldn't see them, you know, change to realize the thing they wanted before wasn't what they wanted or it wasn't right for them and they were better off without it. To me, a strong and well-developed I Want song or at least an I Want sing, if it's something like a jukebox musical, is vital for a good musical. The musicals where there is not an I Want song or a strong I Want scene, the musicals where I can't understand the motivations for a character and I can't see their growth throughout the show, those are the musicals I don't feel the need to listen to again. Musicals like Sweeney Todd, like Wicked, like Company, like Little Shop of Horrors, like Hamilton, like Next to Normal, like The Wizard of Oz, ones with great I Want songs, those are the musicals I put on repeat and listen to or watch again and again. I want songs, just fucking rule. So those are kind of just some things about the I want song, just sort of different ways I've kind of broken it down. Could there be other categories for I want songs, other ways to kind of make it make sense? Sure. And I talk about I want songs just because for me, I find that I get more of an emotional connection when the character sings what they want, rather when we just get a scene where somebody's like, Hey, I'd really like to go on a date with that girl. She'd be swell. Ta-da! You know? Like, there's this adage in musical theater where when emotions are too high for talking, you sing. And when the emotion's too high to sing, you dance. In that sense, you know, the I Want song being sung, it's really giving us sort of this emotional push about the character. We learn about the character. We understand the character. I just love I Want songs. It's like definitely one of my top musical theater type of songs that I enjoy. I kind of want to know, had you heard of the I Want song before? Did you sort of know what it was? And what is your favorite I Want song in a musical and why do you love it? So if you go to my website, takemetotheworld.com, you can always find this episode in the podcast category. 
leave a comment there, or I believe you can comment on podcast.com, another place where I have this episode. I know this episode's a bit long, but I think I kind of covered everything that I wanted to cover, although I could talk about I Want Songs Forever because I just really, really love them so much. Anyways, thank you very much for listening, and make sure to subscribe to this podcast to get notifications when new episodes come out. I'm going to try to do this like once a month, maybe twice a month or so, just depending on when I can get time to record episodes. Anyways, hope everybody has a great day or night or evening or morning or whatever time it is, wherever you are in the world. Goodbye.